0: WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. Download the free local news app today. A forum is planned for Tuesday for St. Joseph residents to offer their thoughts on downtown development to the city and to Cornerstone Alliance. The two have been working together to implement the city's downtown vision master plan. Cornerstone's Andrew Hahn tells us one goal is to achieve redevelopment-ready community certification through the state of Michigan. When you get through the certification, that means the state has gone through all of your processes, your boards and commissions and all of the incentives that you're able to offer, your permitting processes. So you're going to be easy to navigate and ready for redevelopment. Han says communities that are certified can receive additional grants and other support for development projects. St Joe residents will have the opportunity to provide input, share feedback, and ask questions about strategies seeking to grow economic activity and community visibility at Tuesday's forum. That will be speaking to building out an economic development strategy for the community, really reviewing the strengths and the weaknesses and the opportunities that the community has to grow, thinking about how we use the incentives that are available, and really just what's our strategy going to be. The forum will be at City hall starting at five thirty, and on hand will be a consultant that's been working with the city and cornerstone. Han says they'll also be taking feedback on proposed upgrades to Court Place Plaza. Congressman Bill Heisinger is committed to the effort to reopen the Palisades nuclear power plant in Van Buren County. He toured a Holtec facility in New Jersey this week and talked with the company about its plans to bring the power plant back online. Isaac says, given the difficulty of starting a new nuclear plant, the idea of refiring Palisades should be a priority. This makes a tremendous amount of sense, and here's why. To at least attempt this and try and make, uh, see if we can get this to work properly. You have all the permitting in place, so you don't have this massive decades-long delay in where the nuclear plant could be sited. You also then don't have all the problems with siting transmission wires and all the other infrastructure that goes along with it. Thirdly, the infrastructure is already in place, because not. Not that long ago, it was transmitting power. Isenka says he was impressed by what he saw at the Holtec facility. He saw components for nuclear plants that were being shipped out all over the world, including some destined for Palisades. He believes that Holtec is well on the way to getting Palisades restarted, as a $1.5 billion federal loan for the company to do so is expected to be announced soon, and the state has put up funding as well. Work on a new parking ordinance for the city of Benton Harbor is underway. Speaking to the city's legislative committee this week, Benton Harbor Public Safety Director Dan McGinnis said one goal is to add parking meters downtown to start benefiting from all the activity taking place there. Deputy Director Michael Clark said they'll need a new fee schedule for violations. Currently right now, the parking violation is $5 across the board. So obviously it needs to be adjusted. And then especially when we start to focus on putting the downtown parking in, we need to have that set in place. McGinnis said the current parking rules are often confusing, especially when it comes to things like even odd parking on narrow streets when there's snow. But it's very light, very nebulous, and it also only speaks to that on emergency snow roads. McGinnis said the new parking ordinance will also clarify whether parking is allowed on lawns. The goal is to bring an ordinance to the Benton Harbor City Commission in April. McGinnis hopes to begin enforcement of the new rules next year. The Clark Equipment Company Complex in Buchanan has been added to the National Register of Historic Places, one of 19 Michigan locations added to the list in 2023. Buchanan Assistant Director of Community Development, Ashley Regal, tells us the effort to get that Clark property on the list has been going on for about two years, and it's not the only Buchanan site to get the designation. Oak Ridge Cemetery just got added, the Clark campus, and then we have some other things slated for next year, including some neighborhoods. So we're working hard on that effort. We think it's really important. So there's a renewed energy there, and we're just going to keep pressing that and moving it forward. Regal says Clark Manufacturing was a major employer in Buchanan from the early 1900s all the way through the 1980s. It was gone by the 90s, but its fingerprints are still all over town. Clark used to have a ton of buildings, and we're down to only a few remaining ones, but even City Hall is one of them. It was, I think, where they had HR, and it's all throughout <laughs> all throughout our community, and we keep discovering more and more that, about their influence here. Regal says getting the Clark property added to the National Register of Historic Places helps to preserve and recognize authentic Buchanan. Of the 19 Michigan properties added to the list this year, six are in Detroit and three are in Grand Rapids. Michigan has almost 2,000 historic places. We may be enjoying weather in the 50s right now, but Western Michigan University Professor of Environment Dr. Lisa DeChano-Cook is concerned about trees and flowers. She says unseasonably warm weather could harm some plants. We're not supposed to be in the 40s and 50s in February. And when we do get to these temperatures, uh, plants, trees, shrubs, um, flowers, all think it's spring. So they are spending energy to start blooming and producing buds and flowers. The channel cook says "If we get a hard freeze. It could hurt trees, plants and flowers. She says you may want to water your trees and shrubs and cover flowers. She adds this warm up is because we're in an El Nino year. More young Michiganders than ever are facing dating violence. State Representative Jamie Thompson of Brownstone says 19% of teens experience physical or sexual dating violence, while 65% report being psychologically abused. She says social media and the ability to track someone's location on their phone are contributing to the rise. Unhealthy control, jealousy, putting them down, lowering their self-worth, not allowing them to be with their friends, wanting the location on their phone. There's so much going on, and I believe that a lot of times there are parents that aren't aware. This is an issue personal for Thompson. Her 24 year old daughter, a mother of three, died in 2021 due to a motorcycle crash caused by an abusive partner. The State House has passed a resolution declaring February National Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month in Michigan. And $200 million of Governor Gretchen Whitmer's proposed $80 billion state budget would go to provide free meals to Michigan's 1.4 million public school students. Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development Director Tim Boring says that would be good for kids and farmers in Michigan. This kind of work to to improve educational access for young kids is really crucial. Um, The continued support of of breakfast and lunch in schools is important for kids and and the cost for families of of sending kids off to school. Um, But it's also important demand for Michigan agricultural products that are used to feed kids. Boring says rural families will also benefit from the governor's proposal to provide free community college and preschool education for Michigan kids. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. Former President Trump's legal team says it will appeal a decision by a federal appeals court that ruled Trump does not have immunity from prosecution. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has said presidents are not above the law. The ruling was related to the federal election interference case against Trump that was brought by special counsel Jack Smith. Here's ABC's Rick Klein with more the case that could be before the Supreme Court soon of his sweeping claims of uh, of presidential immunity from uh, prosecution against anything he did while president Uh, that would cover all of the actions on and around January 6th while he was still president uh, and it would make that part of the special counsel's uh, investigation into him essentially go away Uh, that has now been decided by a by a panel of circuit court judges this week that kind of picked apart every single argument that the Trump team put forward Uh, but if it goes to the full circuit court and the Supreme Court, uh, that could be far more consequential. After winning Nevada's Republican caucuses late Thursday night, former President Trump is heading to Pennsylvania for a speech before going to the National Rifle Association. Trump will headline the NRA's presidential forum, which is being held as part of the Great American Outdoors show in Harrisburg. Pennsylvania is expected to be a critical swing state in November. Trump had no competition in Nevada after Nikki Haley, his latest remaining major rival, chose to skip the state's caucuses in favor of taking part in an earlier primary that offered no delegates. During an event at the White House today, Vice President Kamala Harris slammed Special Counsel Robert Hurst's characterization of President Biden in his report released Thursday about Biden's classified documents case. Harris says his comments on Biden's age and reported memory problems were politically motivated and said that the country expects better from nonpartisan officers like Hoor. More from ABC's Karen Travers. Vice President Harris, a former prosecutor, strongly criticized the report from Special Counsel Robert Hur. The comments that were made by that prosecutor, gratuitous, inaccurate, and inappropriate. The report described the president's recollection as painfully slow and his memory hazy. The way that the president's demeanor in that report was characterized could not be more wrong on the facts and clearly politically motivated. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Ukraine's new army chief says his immediate goals include improving the rotation of troops out of the front lines and harnessing the power of new technology. He made the comments Friday, a day after President Volodymyr Zelensky put him in charge of the battlefield campaign against Russia's invasion. The new commander, who previously was the commander of Ukraine's ground forces, said that, quote, new tasks are on the agenda. Though he provided little detail, his remarks were in line with Zelensky's stated aim of renewal of the armed forces and adopting a fresh approach to the fight. But Ukraine's biggest problems remain manpower shortages and an inadequate supply of Western weapons in its fight against Russia. Israel's Prime Minister is ordering defense officials to draft evacuation plans inside of Gaza for over a million Palestinians taking refuge from the war in Rafah, that's the area, along Gaza's border with Egypt. The move appears aimed at easing U.S. and international fears, and Israeli military operation in the area would leave tens of thousands of civilians dead. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned Israel needed to consider a way to safeguard civilians if it intends to fight Hamas there. It's unclear if Netanyahu's call for evacuation plans to move civilians to another part of Gaza will be enough to gain U.S. support for the operation, though. ABC's Jordana Miller has more from Jerusalem. Israeli airstrikes in Rafah, killing over a dozen, as the IDF targets the last Hamas stronghold near the Egyptian border. Israeli leaders say they plan to fight Hamas's last battalions in and around Rafah and destroy tunnels that reach into Egypt. But 1.2 million Gazan refugees are sheltering along the border, raising the prospect of soaring civilian casualties. The White House says an Israeli offensive in Rafah would be a, quote, disaster, and it won't support it. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. Former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan says he's running for the U.S. Senate. Hogan's announcement today gives Republicans a prominent candidate well-positioned to run a competitive campaign for the GOP in a state that hasn't had a Republican senator in 37 years. The decision marks a surprise turnaround for Hogan, who had considered a presidential bid. During Hogan's tenure as governor, he became a national figure as one of the rare Republicans willing to criticize Donald Trump. GOP leaders are eager to pick up the seat as they try to gain control of the Senate from Democrats, who hold a slim majority. Senate leaders in both parties are aiming soon to finish work on a bill that funds U.S. allies abroad, even if it doesn't include stronger measures on the U.S.-Mexico border, more from see Stephen Portnoy. On a bipartisan basis, the Senate has agreed to take up a foreign aid bill without the compromised border provisions that Republicans blocked earlier this week. GOP leader Mitch McConnell now urges his colleagues to get behind the measure, funding support for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Every single one of us knows what's at stake here. It remains to be seen whether House Republicans will agree. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. And the flu is hanging on in the U.S., intensifying in some areas of the country after weeks of an apparent uh, decline. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention updated its flu data today. It shows a continued national decline in flu hospitalizations, but it also shows an increase in other indicators, including the number of states with high or very high levels for respiratory illness. Flu-like illnesses seem to be uh, proliferating in the Midwest. Last week, those illnesses were at high levels in 23 states, up from 18 the week before. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.